Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham United podcast from The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. Joining me as always is The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. Hello, Rashane. Hi, Sam. How's it going? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Now, you were actually, um, as a key worker, which I believe you do count as because you are West Ham correspondent for The Athletic, um, you were actually allowed to attend the game up in sunny Stockport last night and you join us from... Uh, a hotel in Manchester. Is that correct? Your sources are true, Sam. That, mm. that is correct. Mm. Uh, I'm here in a Manchester Barbados weather out here. Absolutely beautiful. I'm staying <laughs> at um, a five-star hotel, but upon my arrival, they had to upgrade it to six. Oh, because yeah, you, you're a VIP customer. Of course, of course. Mate, last night I was sitting, drinking a nice relaxing cup of chamomile tea, right? watching the game and thinking to myself this is the sort of game that in the old days I might have tried to have gone to and I was sitting there looking at it thinking ah lockdown's not all that bad because I'm so delighted to not be there right now I actually thought that and at the time I I didn't know if you were there or not so I wasn't gloating at your expense but I did congratulate myself repeatedly for being sat on my warm cozy sofa with a cup of tea, rather than being in what was a quagmire. Fre- the commentators kept commentate uh, kept kept commenting on how freezing cold it was. The rain was relentless. The pitch was a nightmare. What was your match day experience like, Rashane? All right. So when I got off at Stockport Station, it's about a ten minute walk between the station and the ground. Mm. So as I approached the uh, ground, I could smell chips. So basically, I'm like, yeah, this is my kind of ground. I can smell okay. chips. Bear in yeah. mind, I haven't smelled chips at a ground in like a year now. So mm. I'm thinking, yeah, only thing missing is onions. If it was onions, then I would have left a five-star review on Google Maps. But <laughs> chips could do for the time being. So but the only thing is, right, I, it was cold, but it wasn't that cold. The only thing that was a bit annoying was the rain. Like, it was just absolutely chucking it down, Sam. Yeah. Absolutely chucking it down. Yeah, and for me personally, I'm not a fan of, like, carrying big umbrellas. Nah. Of fact, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just annoying. It's inconvenient. Uh, umbrellas are annoying. It, yeah. You know, if you can do without one, do without one. Exactly. Because you, you lose them. They break at the sun, uh, at the slightest gust of wind. It, uh, I'm with you on the umbrella situation, mate. 
Yeah, so, yeah, get to the ground and then the first half gets in the way and just taking my West Ham hat off, I was thinking, yeah, this is a proper, proper traditional FA Cup match. The pitch is a bit, not the best, but, you know, Stockport try their, they tried their best to put on, you know, a decent playing, playing surface. West Ham are fighting it hard. And of course they would. It's Stockport. Probably Stockport's biggest game of the season. So I was watching it thinking, yeah, like, obviously I want West Ham to play much better, but I'm loving the sort of scenarios that could happen because of the FA Cup and players not playing well. You know, going to be there's going to be an unlikely hero. All of that was going in my mind the first half. Mm. We got through it. I think it's a, a big reflection on the new West Ham. Um, under David Moyes, uh, because the old West Ham, under those circumstances, why do you think BT Sport chose to put it, uh, ch- chose our game to go on the Monday night? Everyone looks at that fixture and thinks that is the that is the potential banana skin for a Premier League team. I thought Stockport played fantastically. I mean, they gave us. A, I mean, they're a non-league team. It was incredible how tough they were to play against. They even created a few chances. We got a pay tribute to them because they did exceedingly well and I think old West Ham teams would have just capitulated second half the the pitch was such a nightmare it's impossible to play on our normal game impossible to break with any pace it was just you know I think other teams would I think other West Ham sides would have just mentally capitulated and (laughs) and let them sneak a win but um this is not this this is not West Ham as we know it this is a, a tough gritty, relentless, psychologically strong West Ham team, all thanks to this manager we got. Exactly, and if it was under Pellegrini, then a good chance it would have been a different outcome. You know, oh, yeah. matches in the, in the lower league against the lower league competition that West Ham have struggled in under Pellegrini, so frustrating. So when I saw the lineup and I saw it was relatively strong, you know, Antonio Lanzini, I was thinking, yeah, like, brilliant. It's about time we started taking the cup seriously. So that was my immediate impression. And you know what? I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I loved Antonio's tweet after the match. He tweeted no, that he tweeted that you know he's from non-league playing playing background, and that match sort of reminded him of it of his background and where he got to now, and just sort yeah. of like being grateful and you know bigging up Stockport for trying their best. Yeah, all in all, it's good. Like, I'm, I'm ha- obviously performance could have been a lot better, but the playing service was a, was a part to play in that. But it's good to see Bowen come off the bench, have an impact. Dawson yeah. continue his good form. I can't yeah. complain. The only only thing besides that that was a, obviously we'll talk to a le- we'll get we'll get into it later on was the obvious need for a striker. That was another takeaway from the game. Yeah, I guess I would have liked. To, I I was in the build up to this game. I was very excited after our conversation last week about the prospect of seeing Meepo possibly start or at least get a decent amount of time on the pitch, which I suppose if we'd gone a couple up by half-time, he might have had a longer run-out. So I was disappointed by that, especially after the departure of Haller. I thought, well, this is our chance to see if what we've got here in this youngster is someone who can conceivably become our second or third choice striker waiting on the bench for the rest of the season. But we didn't really get a glimpse of that, did we? And I can understand why he left Antonio on for pretty much the whole game because we looked like we needed a goal. So the last thing you can do is take off your best goal scorer. Yeah, you're, you're spot on with that. And I think me probably played about 30 seconds or a minute, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm mistaken. So as you mentioned, it would have been nice to see him get a bit longer on the pitch because he's been great for the 23s obviously, prior to the injury he suffered. And I'd imagine Moyes would look to give him a chance against... Uh, 
Burnley on Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully give him a longer run because we can't keep playing Antonio for 90 minutes if we don't bring in another, another striker. Well, it just depends on how the game goes. If we, if we, if we get ourselves a, uh, in the lead by a couple of goals... Then he'll. Then I'm sure he'll give Mepo 15 minutes. If we are chasing the game, um, then he might bring him on to play alongside uh, Antonio. Um, but if it's you know, it's 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 a tough one to to find an opportunity to give a young player like that a chance. That said, we are in a very different situation to the one we usually find ourselves in 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 January. In as much as we're mid-table, we're probably, with the run of fixtures we've got ahead of us, we're looking up rather than down. We're in a fairly relaxed, comfortable position. Outside chance we might get into a European spot. Um, very small chance we could get sucked into any kind of relegation battle. So, in some ways, you could argue it's the perfect time to try out youngsters like me, Poe. Um, especially as... You know, it's, it's, it wouldn't just be an indulgence, it's a necessity. We've sold the only recognised striker at the club. We sold our only recognised first-team striker because let's never forget that although Antonio's done a brilliant job there, this time last year, Antonio was a winger who occasionally, in moments of desperation, could turn his hand to playing up front. Now, he's done an amazing job, but in terms of an actual player who's a specialist striker, we had one. And we've sold him. Now, we're going to get on to that. I'm, I feel we made the right decision in selling him. There's not much pressure on in the league. Now is the perfect time to give Mepo a chance, isn't it, Rochelle? It definitely is. And if you think about the past, what, 10 days or so for young players, with majority of them are taking their chances. If you think about Lou Barry scoring against Liverpool, uh, the young midfielder for Tottenham becoming their youngest goal scorer, when he scored against Marine. There's momentum for young players right now. Put them in and then hopefully they'll get, they'll show you that the selection's been justified. And yeah, as 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 you know, the the game's fast approach against Burnley, West Brom, Doncaster Rovers at towards the end end of the month. Hopefully we'll see me probably get a chance. And as you touched on, <laughs> this time last year Antonio was a winger and our central forward. And now, you know, you've got a young player like me potentially gonna challenge him for a place. And all in all, when you factor like the pros and cons of it all. It definitely shows it was justified in, um, in selling Sebastian Haller. My thoughts on it, Sam, is that ultimately he didn't take a chance at West Ham. There are countless games where you played for West Ham, you're thinking, like, come on, you got to do more. you got to fight for the shirt. you got to justify why the club spent so much money on you. And the only times I saw that was when he had a partnership with Antonio. Barring that, I wasn't seeing enough of him. I'm, I'm so astonished that there are people, uh, West Ham fans, who will say, yeah, but the, the, he, he played well with Antonio, that's how he played for Eintracht Frankfurt. The system wasn't right for him. West Ham are having the best season we've had in five, six years, right? Um, it's been between our last season at Upton Park and now, it has been non-stop calamity, yeah? And finally, we've got a manager and a group of players who've got us on the road to something half decent. And yet there are fans who think that we should change all of that, change everything that's going well for the sake of one player who has failed to adapt to the system. We should rebuild everything around this one player. I just can't see any logic in that. And I know the time for these debates is over probably because he's gone. But there will still be people saying, well, you know, it was West Ham's fault. It was David Moyes' fault. 
what don't you understand about how well West Ham are doing? Unless you've only been supporting West Ham five minutes, you'll know that how we're doing right now, relative to how we're usually doing in the average season, is incredibly well. We have a system that works for the team. It didn't work for Haller, maybe. But what's more important, West Ham or, or, or the career of Sebastian Haller? And you know what? Even Pellegrini, like, they play different formations to try to get the best out of Haller. It wasn't just him playing like, up front by himself all the time. Moyes tried different formations to get the best out of Haller. Ultimately, it was the player himself who appeared to not want to seize that moment and, and try and justify his price tag or, or have an extended run in the team. Like, I said about a month ago, I don't think he'll ever work out between West Ham and Haller. And ultimately, you're proven right because they sold him. And you know what really annoyed me, right? After, in his like, um, sort of press conference, if you were to call it that, for Ajax, he was sort of saying, oh, they didn't, be- they didn't play the best system to get the best out of me. I think he can come off it, Haller. What are you talking about? Like, this is your own fault. Like, you, the club tried. They tried their best. You're here for the best part of 18 months. Ultimately, it's your fault why it didn't work out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Well, he's gone now. I suppose we better put all of the debates about his performance or his quality behind us and look forward clearly we need to get at least one striker and we would have needed one anyway even if Haller had stayed so you could argue we need two new strikers now what I've been reading Roshane you'll be able to confirm or deny this is that we weren't ready we it wasn't our intention or our plan to sell Haller the offer came out of the blue we thought it was too good to turn down and therefore we didn't have a replacement uh, lined up and we're scrabbling around at the moment to identify targets. How much truth is there in that? You're pretty much on the money with that, that quick summary, Sam. That pretty much the the, the case that West Ham uh, found themselves in. Didn't anticipate sending Haller so early in the window. Hence why now they're not going to be in a rush to bring in a striker. It's still a major priority, but right now West Ham's sort of stance is, listen, we're going to take our time, we're going to wait for the right player to become available and then we'll make our move. Right now... I'd say within half an hour, had it been sold, I've seen about 30 names being linked to yeah. move to West Ham. Unbelievable, yeah. And it was crazy. I was thinking, what on earth is going on? For about roughly 30 names. I've seen all sorts of names getting linked to move to West Ham. So, And if you look back on like West Ham's dealing it in the window, quite often West Ham will do their business late. West Ham, they're not a club who will do the business in the first week or second week. It tends to be the last week. Um, last January, we signed Bowen on deadline day. Uh, Suchek two days before deadline. So... Yeah, I expect West Ham to be very busy late on in the window. Is that because Sullivan thinks he can work a better deal if he leaves it right to the last minute? That and the clubs sort of feel, yeah, they tend to get a better business done late on. If Right now, clubs on the West Ham have money and they're a bit desperate. So 
don't try and like you know demand all sorts of ridiculous money so worst time we feel like you know what let's wait a little bit and when clubs sort of feel like we have to sell a player that's when we make our move the obvious name I keep hearing is Josh King and although he's 28 and not the sort of younger player that Moyes has been going on about he's got uh, previous experience playing in the Premier League uh, he could play at central row he could play on, on the flanks and he's a cheaper option as well because his contract expires this summer so I can see that deal being the most uh, realistic for West Ham Who would you Rashane Thomas like us to buy who do you think we should buy I'd absolutely love it um, I'm being Kevin Keegan again I'd absolutely love it if West Ham look for the future and, and bought Ivan Tony. That's I, I, I think he's a very good player I've been watching him since he's been at Peter Braven before that in fact and I think he's a really good striker got tremendous potential young so fits that profile having resale value for uh, for Moyes later on and yeah, I think he'll be a good signing for the club obviously the, the argument would be, oh, he's playing in the Championship, hasn't really played in the Premier League for that long. But listen, he's, he's got a not trajectory right now and now is the best time to do it because he's going to be more expensive in the future. Mm. What about yourself? I haven't seen him play, but I certainly do think, you know, we got two strikers who have been, who, who are, I think, the two top goal scorers in, in the Championship, him and Armstrong of Blackburn, both of whom have been mentioned. And I would rather see us go for one of those two and I haven't seen enough of either of them to, to know, but just the fact that they play in this country, I just think signing players based on a record in a foreign league, we've done that so many times, and it is such a huge gamble. It is so impossible to tell how well they will adapt. And I would rather, in all honesty, I would rather us even now, rather than gamble a large sum of money, I would rather see us go for even a veteran, um, if we knew that they had done a job before in the Premier League and then spend the proper money in the summer. Because I think, you know, we've got a good young striker on the bench in Mipo. Uh, Antonio is currently fit. We need one more player. I would say save the money. Try and get Josh King for next to nothing because he'll be available for nothing in the summer anyway. Or go out and buy a veteran like Troy Deeney, someone who can just... Be on the bench, be back up if Antonio gets injured. You know they're not going to completely let you down. Because let's be honest, we have seen several strikes, too numerous for me to list them all, who've come in with decent records from foreign clubs and foreign leagues who have been utterly incapable of putting in a performance in the Premier League. They turn out and they're like rabbits in the headlights. Now, if you're a bigger club, you can afford to nurture those sorts of players until they finally adapt. And most of them, if they've got any decent technique, and ability can do over time. But if you're West Ham, you can't really afford that. You can't afford another Sebastian Haller or another Felipe Anderson. You can't afford to spend big money on a player who's who's not going to quite do it for the first 18 months. You're better off get you know, you're better off getting someone cheap as a stopgap and then doing your scouting properly and spending big money on a player who can offer you at least some guarantees in the summer, which would be uh, one, you know, the, the lad from Brentford, the lad from uh, Blackburn, uh, the most exciting player I've seen us linked with, but I'm not quite sure he's the right position. And I don't think there's much truth in the link anyway, is Saar of Watford. I think he would be an exceptional player in the future. That was in, I think, the sun at the weekend. Plus, I, I believe he's a bit more of a winger than a centre forward, Rashane. Yeah, he is a bit more of a winger. And we have a lot of wingers, <laughs> loads yeah. of wingers. So I'd rather just signing out and out centre forward but yeah you're absolutely spot on Sam and the piece myself and David Dornstein wrote when uh, Pala left to join Ajax I sort of jokingly mentioned that 
West Ham have signed like the best part of 50 strikers since mm. the owners took charge of the club and it's like we've tried everything we tried to sign promising players from the championship untapped potential in South America players of international experience the veterans um, European prospects everything mate exhausted all sorts of all sorts of methods and there's been Shamak Brian Montenegro Benny McCarthy me there's been everyone mate <laughs> everyone's walked through the door at West Ham oh and it's the God. one position we just keep struggling to find a clinical goal scorer it's the hardest thing to get right in football to be honest there aren't many clubs if you look at Chelsea you know, Chelsea claim to have a curse of the centre-forward and, and they have, you know, almost limitless money. You know, Manchester City, uh, you know, aren't short of a few quid and they're struggling to find a replacement for Aguero. It's the most difficult thing to do in football, irrespective of how much money you've got. Um, you know, we've seen players who look like they are unstoppable, like the case of Torres. Um, when he moved from Liverpool to Chelsea, who just suddenly lose that ability to score just in the process of moving from one club to another. So it's it's very, very difficult. When I look back on you know, the entire history of, of West Ham signing uh, strikers, I can think of a handful who've come in and immediately done the job. Um, John Hartson, Frank McAvenny, although he was signed as a midfielder, and uh, of course Dean Ashton. I would say that the most successful, which isn't saying much in recent years, was Anatovic, who came in, wasn't very good. He was played out on the wing by Bilic. Uh, Moyes coached him into being a, a very formidable centre-forward for us. And that is an example of a player who'd already done a solid number of years in the Premier League for Stoke. So what we didn't have to do was wait for him to adapt almost psychologically to the rigours and the speed, the pace, the physicality of the Premier League. He was already totally tuned into that. He knew what was coming. And for that reason, I would always lean towards signing someone, ideally from another Premier League club, even if it's someone who is not necessarily getting regular first-team football at that Premier League club and, and perhaps needs a new opportunity to kickstart their career. Just like when we signed John Hartson from Arsenal all those years ago. I think that that's when I feel most comfortable, even if it's not a superstar, because you can sign players who've, who've scored dirty goals in, in League One for bloody Cannes or Reims or someone like that. And it just doesn't fill me with confidence because I think it, it just doesn't apply. We've seen that with Haller. He scored all those goals in the Bundesliga and in the Europa League. It doesn't apply. One of the best signings of recent years that doesn't get mentioned enough is Southampton signing Danny Ings from Liverpool. Because Danny Ings is a, has, for, for two seasons running now, been a regular and consistent goalscorer at a reasonably humble club in Southampton. You know, but this is a, a bloke who'd, who'd, who'd put, the, put the years of experience in, first with Burnley and then with Liverpool. You know, so they knew what they were getting. And that's the sort of signing that I prefer to see West Ham try and make. I don't know who that individual would be. But I would rather us look around in the Premier League. It might be someone who's currently playing at one of the smaller clubs in the Premier League or a recently relegated club. Perhaps for that reason, Josh King is the solution. My concern about Josh King is he's free in the summer and Bournemouth are going to try and hold out for £10 million now. And to me, that feels like £10 million down, you know, potentially down the drain. And you know what? I think just touching on um, 
West Ham potentially signing a striker from another club. I feel like a lot of listeners will agree with you because I, I do as well. The last player I could think of, or striker rather, that West Ham signed from a foreign league that adjusted well was, I think, Diofa Sacco. I think that's mm. the last one I could mm. think of who like yeah. had no problem adjusting straight away. But yeah. when you're just going through that, you know, um, bringing assessment on, on why West Ham should sign a player from another club, I was thinking Giroud. I really yeah. started thinking of Olivier Giroud. I know he's a bit old, but get him on over the rest of the season and he, he would do a great job. I don't think someone like him is the long-term solution, but I would rather, if he was a, if he was someone we could get for not too much money, you know, plus you're also bringing in someone who has won the World Cup. You know, he's he, he's one of the most vastly experienced centre-forwards in the world. I'm not comparing him to Teddy Sheringham in terms of his uh, ability or style of play, but... You know, just as when we brought in Teddy Sheringham and it gave the entire club a lift, not just for what he did on the field, but just him being around the place. You know, it, it, you had this like superstar Champions League winner coming into coming into the club and it and it enabled younger players and uh, to raise their game. I think that would be one of the appeals of Giroud. If you can get him inexpensively and then look to build uh, make a more expensive signing of someone younger and with more promise who you, who Moyes has had the opportunity to scout thoroughly in the summer that for me would be brilliant I can't, you know, I can't see Chelsea letting Giroud go you, though you, you know you know what Sam if West Ham had sold Sebastian Hallow in, in the summer last summer yeah I, I, I could have seen us potentially get someone like a Callum Wilson Someone like Callum Wilson who's got proven experience of playing in the Premier League because he's got mm. eight goals for, uh, for Newcastle. Perfect for us. Yeah, yeah. That, sort of, that sort of player will work half for the team and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, shame. He would have been absolutely perfect. And, of course, he was someone who we were linked to for many years. But in the end, Newcastle just stole a march on us because yeah. we were still... We couldn't decide whether to stick or twist on Haller. I would say maybe in the summer, Haller wouldn't have gone... You know, he had ended the season on the bench for West Ham and his value might have been lower... That what West Ham had the benefit of, the reason we got the, the 20, 22 million from Ajax is that as a result of Antonio's injury, we could point to Aller as having been a consistent starter in the Premier League, in a mid-table Premier League club, and I think he'd bagged seven goals. He was our top scorer. Um, despite all the criticism he's received from us amongst others, he was our top scorer. And therefore... We could negotiate on that basis. Say, listen, he's a first-team player. He's an international. He scored seven goals in in the in English football this season. This is a you know you're going to have to pay proper money for him. Whereas I think in the summer it would have been he's a reserve, he's a flop. You know it, we would have struggled to have got that much money for him in the summer. So in in that sense, maybe it was the right decision. Yeah, no, that's true, it's true. And you got to, obviously from a club point of view, you got to be smart and. You gotta maximise the players' potential when you when you do sell them. You can't sell them when they're cheap because mm. how many times have we seen West Ham do that over the years? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I've got a lot of faith in David Moyes' ability to pick a player. Our transfer dealings have been more missed than hit over the last six, seven years. But since Moyes arrived at the club, it's been almost all hit. If you look at Bowen, Kufau, Suchek, every player we've brought in, Ben Rama, who I know wasn't necessarily Moyes' pick, but he's done well. He's not done brilliant, but he's done well. Craig Dawson. Craig Dawson, an excellent example. A player who every single fan... I can't, I, you wouldn't have found a single fan who was behind the idea of that transfer. Craig Dawson has played himself into position of being first choice alongside Ogbonna now, which is absolutely remarkable, isn't it? Last summer, West Ham were linked with so many like defenders of, of, of European uh, prestige. Mm. Uh, Jonathan Tarr comes to mind... Um, obviously, Tomori turned on a, a, a chance the to join us. At Marseille, who came very close to joining yeah. us. Yeah, him as well. Shane Duffy, uh, Bob mm. Holding, Callum Chambers, uh, Matt Vienko, Shattered the Net Defender, Wesley Fafona before he joined uh, Leicester, uh, Tarkovsky, like so many defenders. So when the club announced the sign of Craig Dawson, fans are like, Craig Dawson? <laughs> mm. Really? Craig Dawson? But looking back now, absolutely smart piece of business from West Ham because. Again, it's a cheaper option, and he's doing brilliantly. Uh, you know, I mentioned in the previous podcast, uh, I wasn't particularly supportive of Craig, especially after his performance against um, Peterborough, but he's, he's turned it around now. Three consecutive clean sheets, and based on current form, I can't, I can't see why he won't be in the starting eleven against Oh, Burnley. yeah, he's, he, he won't get shifted out of the team uh, now, uh, not for the time being anyway. The, the next game um against Burnley I think that you know he's gonna start whether it's a back four or a back three it will be him with Ogbonna and I think that um it's incredible what how how he's proved so many of us wrong and I think it's a reminder as well that we all need to have you know be very open-minded when the club makes signings because everyone's falling over themselves for a player because they happen to have played you know a a well-known foreign club even though none of us have seen them other than on YouTube. And we're dismissive of a player like Craig Dawson on the basis that he played for a club that got relegated from the Premier League, which doesn't necessarily reflect on an individual's ability. And he, he's come in and proved everyone wrong. He looks fantastic. And it's a shame we've only got him on loan. In fact, it was only a couple of weeks ago that you were saying we might even be thinking of returning yeah. him to Watford in order to free up space for another loan coming into the club. And in, that was just a few weeks ago. I think it was just before Christmas you suggested that was a possibility. Now, there is no chance whatsoever Moises letting him go back to Watford, is there? Absolutely no chance. And a bit of a transfer line for, for you, Sam. Uh, but hearing that, there's uh, the option to buy it at the, end of, um, at the end of his loan deal. How old is he? He's 30. He's 30, so not a bad age for a centre-back, considering Ogbonna's in the form of his life and he's 32. And Ogbonna, Barbrena, Diop, who I haven't mentioned for quite some time. Mm. Yeah, but that's probably the strongest area for us right now, defence. Like, so it's amazing options. because at the beginning of the summer transfer window, all we were being linked with were centre-backs. We were under the impression that Moyes thought we were very, very 
um, thin in that area of the squad. Now we've got no problems there whatsoever. Uh, and it's all about the forward positions. But all of this stuff is, feels, in comparison to the average season, we mustn't forget, in comparison to where we are usually in January. I remember it was about a year ago that you and I sat down and did the first episode of this podcast. And we met up after the cup defeat to West Bromwich Albion. And it was a miserable way to start a new show because we looked, I think Moyes had only just taken over the club. It was his, maybe his second or third game. And we looked a mess. It looked like there was no hope whatsoever going forward. And um, with not that much transfer activity, he's, he's totally transformed the club in the interim. And, you know, usually we would be looking at a knockout in the third round of the cup and only a relegation battle between now and the spring. Because now we're just looking up, up, up. And, it, and, and you've got to savour these moments because <laughs> yeah. with West Ham, they rarely last. You That's know? so true. I'm looking back on it now. West Ham looked a mess. Sam, emotionally, we looked a mess. We were mentally oh, drained by her terrible. experience. Yeah, exhausted. So. It was episode one and we'd already had enough. <laughs> now, oh, so I, I, I can't wait to record these every week, mate, because yeah. there's always something positive to talk about. And it's so true. And I can't remember the last time things are just consistently being this positive at West Ham. You usually get a blip and it's like, oh, okay, now the real West Ham have turned up and they're showing yeah. me here we are. But again, every week we was finding something positive to say. A, a new player will emerge, will do well. It's just really good. Burnley next, mate. A game that, you know, a lot of people will be expecting us to pick up three points in. Although, as we've found repeatedly, it's not always as simple as that when you come up against these clubs at the lower end of the table. Um, bit of a, a, I guess, a transfer, a, a selection dilemma for Moyes because, you know, we've had a couple of good games. There's a lot of players now competing for positions, which is fantastic. You know, Ben Rama, for nows. You know, we've talked about the, the people vying for positions in defence, you know, it's um, it's going to be a difficult one. Does he start three at the back? Does he start four at the back? How do you see us shaping up against Burn uh, against Burnley? How do you think we should shape up? Yeah, a difficult conundrum once again for David Moyes. I think I think stick, uh, play with four at the back. Mm. I think you play with four at the back, considering the partnership Dawson and I've had. And bear in mind, we play four at the back against uh, Southampton and Everton. If memory yeah. serves me well, and, and and both games kept Danny Ings quiet and kept. Uh, Dominic Carvalhoen quiet so there's no reason why we can't keep Chris Ward and Ashley Barnes quiet uh, on Saturday and I, I'm, I'm quite confident for that match obviously if Roberto wasn't go my answer would be completely different but <laughs> it should be Darren Randolph uh, and yeah I'm quite confident that West Ham can get three points and after that got West Brom so if you get back to back wings you know again keep up the momentum and that's what you want How long do we think Fabianski's going to be out for mate? Uh, it's not as serious as, as uh, initially fair so he should be back for the West Brom game Oh, that's good to yeah. know. Um, and uh, just lastly, what have we got coming up? What can we look forward to on The Athletic in the coming days? So uh, on Wednesday, there will be a piece on me, Paul Beckles, looking back on his journey to West Ham and, you know, why West Ham fans should be excited about his potential. And on potentially Friday, there should be a piece on Issa Diop on what next for his career. Oh, another another transfer line. I've been told there's been no contact from clubs for Issa Diop. There was speculation about last week that Nice were interested in signing him on loan. I've been told that's not true. The player still sees himself at West Ham. He wants to win back his place in the team and do well. So, yeah, that's a bit of transfer news for you guys. Yeah, I mean, if I was at another Premier League club and we needed a centre-back, and there will be clubs like that out there right now, then I would be looking 
hard at Issa Diop's situation because Issa Diop is a, is a very good player with the potential to be a really excellent player. But for various reasons, he's nowhere near our first team at the moment. If you're any club who needs to fill a gap at, at centre-back, it, I mean, I don't want him to go, but <laughs> I am shocked that no one is looking at Issa Diop right now yeah. because he is, he, we are vulnerable to having to lose him. I look at Issa Diop and I think... He's a good defender, but it just hasn't clicked for him yet. Like yeah. everything hasn't clicked for him. But when it does click, oh, he'll be he'll fulfill the prophecy that Moya that Bruno said he'll be a monster. He will yeah. fulfill that. Make no doubts about it. But right now, it just hasn't really clicked for him yet. Mate, you sound like Yoda in um, the Phantom Menace, where they keep banging on about a philosophy being uh, uh, a prophecy being fulfilled. But I like that. I've always seen you as the sort of Yoda of the West Ham community. Oh, anyway, so wise. You know what? If I, I, should, I should add it to my bio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good idea. Right, that's us done. We'll be back to uh, look back on the Burnley game, which is coming up next. Stay in touch with us on uh, Twitter. I'm at Delaney Man Rashane's at Rashane Sport. And until next time, ladies and gents, come on you irons and remember, there's only one. Samasiabu. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.